0: Welcome to the Totally Well Show. I'm your host, Joyce Strong. The Totally Well Show is a place where we get curious, ask questions, and explore everything to do with health, wellness, fitness, personal development, helping people, and all the things it takes to help you live a strong, joyous life. So today I have Lisa Tenner. She is a book coach, an author, uh, I think also a speaker. Mm -hmm. And welcome to the Totally Well Show. Thank you, Joyce. I'm really happy to have you here. Uh, you can reach out to Lisa on LinkedIn um, on uh, com is her website. And um, how did you get into this, book <laughs> author,
1: coach, professor? Um, the short professor. Version, I hope, right? <laughs> you also teach, right? I, I teach on the faculty of Harvard Medical School's publishing course. It's a CME course, yeah. so for yeah. continuing medical education, and yeah. uh, teach about writing and book writing and publishing. Yeah. Yeah. So um, it was kind of this circuitous path, but I'll give you the short version and maybe uh, later I'll give you the long version.
0: Oh yes. And (laughs) speaking of which, you're also going to be coming on Rock Bottom Syndicate podcast and you're going to be talking about your rock bottom moment. So we'll save that for that. Which
1: did lead to this, but I'll give you the short version, which is that I did Uh, Co author a book, The Ultimate Guide to Transforming Anger. And once it came out, I realized I didn't really enjoy teaching people about their anger, even when it was, you know, sort of being creative about it, listening inside for your inner knowing about the message of the anger and learning healthy ways to communicate. Um, and, 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 you know, kind of using a sense of humor with anger, too. But the people who came to the workshops weren't very fun to work with, and I realized I really wanted to work with people's creativity. And so it was a bit of a soul search. I had a baby at the time and um, was looking to not have like a a full-time, full-time job, but really do something on my own. Mm -hmm. And it started out really creativity coaching, and then people started coming for me specifically for the writing and book proposals and getting published, so it, it sort of it led me rather than me kind of knowing what I was going to do.
0: Yeah, those organic uh, businesses and practices are the best. Uh-huh. They, yeah, that's really fascinating because you you span from doing the technical stuff, but uh-huh. also the muse, the creativity, the um, you know being able to. Be in the right mental place to have it happen.
1: Yeah, I think with the books especially, there are a lot of pieces to it, particularly if you want to traditionally publish. If you're self-publishing, you have a lot of freedom to do whatever you want. Yeah. But with traditional publishing, there there are pieces that you need to have in place, and it needs to be a marketable book, and you need to understand that market and have a good plan for reaching them and already be reaching people mm-hmm. in that market. So, um, so there, there, there's a the business piece, which I have, and then good writing, secrets of good writing, which is really important, and then really getting in touch with that creative side, that muse, because that's where the magic happens. And that's where your voice really comes out. That's where your best writing comes. And and people know what's real, you know, and and they're attracted to that.
0: Yeah. So is it because of where you're teaching that you tend to be um, working with a lot of people in the health and wellness space? I
1: would say, yes, that that... That definitely um, a lot of doctors and therapists and people in health and wellness, because of of the Harvard Medical School course. But um, but I also work with business people, entrepreneurs, uh, co- a lot of coaches, mm-hmm. uh, moms. You know, people just who have a, an important message to share, wisdom to share, mm-hmm. or story, um, expertise in lots of different areas. So. Um, I'm working now with somebody who is, uh, she, teach she teaches leadership through, through horses, working with horses, and she teaches CEOs. So, you know, <laughs> all walks of life, all different <laughs> kinds of things, which is fun and refreshing for me. Yeah, for sure.
0: Yeah. Um, is there is, is part of the, this your interest as well, that you happen to be interested in this space? Yeah,
1: definitely. And yeah. I think, you know, um, we'll talk about rock bottom later, but in your rock bottom moments, we, we often reach, I think, for books about health and wellness yeah. and books, um, self-help books. And so that, you know, that became a very, even before that, I would say it was an interest, but it really became a deeper interest. So certainly an area that I'm, I'm always looking to grow. I think a lot of us are lifelong learners and mm-hmm. Books are such a wonderful way to learn. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I'm always learning from my clients. And it, it is fun to be in a field where uh, there's always something new to learn.
0: Yeah. One, one of the reasons I love doing this show is I'm interviewing people and learning from them. And it's shifting who I am and how what I share next. So I'm never the same person after having an encounter with somebody. Wow. So it's wonderful. Yeah. So you... Did you write a book first? You start out writing a book. Did you intend to write a book, or did it just kind of happen? Did you have, like, as a kid, want to be an author? As a kid,
1: I always thought I would be an author, but I thought it would be fiction. And uh, I went to MIT undergrad, Mm -hmm. and my father was very practical. He was an English teacher, and he always said, like, you know, do something where you're guaranteed a job afterwards. So I studied management information systems, but my minor was in writing, and I took writing classes every semester, oh. and that was my purest joy. Yeah. So there was you know, always that desire to write a book, but when it came to it, it really came out of my rock bottom moment, I guess, mm-hmm. and, um, and some studying I did that helped me heal. Uh, and then I, you know, I wrote the book, and it really wasn't a very good book. <laughs> but my friends were great about, you know, kind of seeing the potential in it. And one friend, Pico Todd, said, "You know, I think there's something here." And she's also a cartoonist. She said, uh, "I, w- I would love to collab- collaborate." And she loved. I had these exercises that we eventually called angerobics, but they were ways <laughs> to tap into your creativity, your sense of humor. Uh, and your inner knowing when it comes to kind of what's here for me about this anger and, and how can I utilize this in a healthy way. Yeah. So uh, so she, she helped me kind of go from like just writing about my experience in a way that, you know, wasn't that interesting to something broader. And then we brought an anger expert on board, Jane Middleton Moss. So it was a three-person book, which was Uh, Really neat. You know, I learned so much from working with those two women. Uh So
0: in all this time, you took what you had from your uh, uh, studying at MIT and then your experience with writing the book, and all of these pieces came together to, um, to give you the special sauce to be able to help people.
1: It is amazing how, like, all those circuitous roots and oddball things you do that you're not sure where they fit together, and then suddenly it does all come together, and you realize this really was a path. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) It might have meandered, but it it was a path. You didn't
0: know why at the time. So do people come to you with, I'm just wondering, when a person approaches you to write a book, do you get that sense of that there's something underneath, like that, it's not even a it's not even I want I have to write a book like
1: often yeah and and that you know that's much more powerful than I should write a book yeah (laughs) which you know is maybe not a reason to write one but but when there is that underlying thing and some people have thought like their whole lives they wanted to write a book and other people actually are really resistant so I worked with a woman Pat Hastings uh, who every day in her prayer meditation, she would get, you know, write this book. And she said, you know, she had, um, she had gone to parochial school and, you know, had kind of beaten into her by the nuns that she could not write. Uh And so she really felt like, I don't have this, I can't do this. And it was really fun working with her because it was just all about Bringing out her story, mm-hmm. and she had these wonderful anecdotes um, about answered prayer in her life, and so it, it was really fun working with her. So I love working with people who don't necessarily see themselves as writers, too, but they have a message, and whether it's like feels like it's coming from elsewhere or deep within, you know, there there is this drive to share that message. Uh, it's making me think. You know, I have five
0: kids and. When certain ones, the old, not so much the older ones, the the younger ones, were in school, they the teachers were like, "Don't worry about this spelling; just Mm -hmm. write." And they had this creative—I forget what they called it—creative spelling, I guess, or Mm -hmm. something like that. But it didn't. So the idea that the spelling had to be correct was keeping them from having tapping into the idea and being able to express themselves. Yeah. Do you use
1: anything (laughs) similar to that? Um, I guess, you know, I, I would say what I do um, is focus on what, what are the gems here and what can we build on? Mm -hmm. So, um, so sometimes, you know, most people haven't really been taught to write well. Mm -hmm. And there are just a few rules that, or, or, tips that will really help you bring out the writing and and make it come alive for the reader. Mm -hmm. And so I would focus on, you know, tell me more about this, this is interesting, tell me more about this, let's let's go deeper, Mm -hmm. and uh, paint a picture for me. You know, sometimes when people start writing about something, they'll generalize, and that's the worst thing you can do when you're writing. You want to start that reader in a specific moment Mm -hmm. in time and you know space and make mm-hmm. that real for them so it's it's usually i won't say always but it's usually very powerful to start with a story even with a self-help or how-to book really and bring us to a specific moment in time paint a picture and draw us in with that story and then you can generalize from that you know uh, or maybe connect to the reader with that you know maybe you've had a similar experience Um, You could certainly start a book with statistic, you know, alarming statistic or other things too, Mm -hmm. but story is one of the most powerful ways. I'm thinking of um,
0: James Clear's book Atomic Habits. Mm -hmm. Have you read that? Um, I recommend it often because it's about the the law of building habits, and it's Mm a how-to book in a way. But I believe he starts off the story with a story of him having an injury, a serious injury, mm-hmm. playing sports, having a serious injury. So the beginning of the book is all about the story. Yeah. And it's his rock bottom yeah, that brings, you know, you, into the practical stuff. So, yeah, I get that. So what are some of the things you do with people to, um, say you're the person who wants to, f- person who, feels like they have something in them. They just have to tell a story. Mm-hmm. So they have a book in them. They really feel like they should be doing this. They want to do this. But it's overwhelming. Yeah. Like where do you,
1: do you have techniques that you help people? I, I do. I do. So I'm going to share two very different things. Okay. But the first is I, I start people with a vision statement. Like write a vision for what this book could do for you and your life and your work Mm-hmm. what it can do for your readers how, what kind of impact it might have on the community or the world so so and, and really work on that vision till it feels like a 10 in terms of how inspired you are when you read it aloud and that's so powerful for people because it it's something you can read every day and stay inspired, stay with the book. Mm -hmm. It also really helps guide you because when you're clear what the vision is then and it makes you clear about who your readers are it makes you clear about um, as you make decisions about the book you know this book fits the vision, but if I do this it might be very marketable but it doesn't really fit the vision. It doesn't fit where I want to go. Mm -hmm. So it it can be really helpful in a lot of ways. And it gets you writing too, right? Writing a vision statement is easier and smaller than writing a whole book. Mm -hmm. So there are a lot of great great ways to use the vision statement. The other thing is whenever we're writing, you know, we often just we've been busy all day or, you know, sleeping, whatever. And we're not necessarily in the space to write. You know, we're kind of carrying mm-hmm. whatever we're carrying. If it's the beginning of the day, all the thoughts are the things I have to do. And if it's the end of the day, you know everything that happened in the day. And so I often have people start with just the breath mm-hmm. and start by uh, slowing down. Mm-hmm. It could be walking in nature. It could be just sitting and feeling the breath in the belly. and mm-hmm. Breathing deeply, inhaling mm-hmm. and exhaling a few times. And it gets us out of here, which is not where our best writing comes from. It gets us in here, yeah. embodied and in the heart. Yeah. to be careful not to hit <laughs> <get> my <laughs> microphone. But it you know, it gets us into our mind, body, spirit all as one yeah. rather than just the mind taking off, which is not as powerful. Um, and so another great exercise for that is something we do. I, I practice Qigong, which is a, um, kind of out of the martial arts tradition. It's a Taoist tradition. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if you've seen Tai Chi, it's similar to that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and one of the really simplest things you can do in Qigong is to, sh- to sh- shake or bounce. Okay. And so usually we do it standing, but we can do it here yeah. sitting. Yeah. And you'll just like shake the body shake the hands and if if you're standing you would be you know kind of going up on oh, your toes bouncing. maybe even and bouncing you yeah. Know? yeah so you just and when we do that you know we can even imagine like all the stresses of the day just yeah. leaving off our shoulders and um all the all the tension in the body because tension um tension keeps us from that space where like things just flow through us, right? The mm-hmm. tension is a distraction and it, it gets us in the mind again, but uh, which the, not that the mind's a bad thing, but we want it all working together yeah. <laughs> holistically. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, this will kind of ground us. And then we're like this clear conduit, right? In Taoism, in they would say, you know, the heavenly and earthly energies We're like a conduit between that. Yeah. And, and it really does make for creative flow. It just works. Um, so this weekend, I, two, two people in my book writing program, Bring Your Book to Life, were having, uh, I, I, have a accountability partner system where people can check in with each other once or twice a week, mm-hmm. just five questions to stay accountable, but they decided to do a weekend retreat. They were just going to focus on writing all weekend. Mm-hmm. And so they would check in with each other and they were both starting to feel, um, it was it was working in the sense they were writing a lot, but they were both feeling uh, heaviness you know their topics had uh, one was a memoir and um, uh, m- well memoir and other people's stories too, but really stories of loss and the mm-hmm. other is a guide for parents that also is dealing with a challenging subject and uh, and actually working on the glossary put her in touch with this sadness about these kids and the challenges they're having. So they, they emailed me and said, what do we do? <laughs> and the first thing I had them do was that bouncing because it's just they could like release that, that burden off their shoulders of other people's pain. Yeah, right? Yeah. And then just, you know, kind of let things go. So it's a great place to start if you're writing or any creative activity is to just, or even just in the morning, just in general, that bouncing is so good. It's got all kinds of physical health benefits, well, too. Well, I think,
0: you know, for sure you're, you're definitely getting your blood flowing, your heart, mm-hmm. you know, shifting, your, um, your lymph system, That's right. you know, all of those kinds of things. Um, the other thing too, I think is happening, and I've I, I mentioned during the preamble different people I've interviewed. So, Doctor Apple, Gary Apple, has a book Alive with Life. Um, he's a medical doctor, and he was explaining how um, we can have more control over our thoughts than we realize by yeah. shifting what room <laughs> in the <laughs> in the house <laughs> we're in. So, what uh-huh. part of our brain we're working in. So, what I think is happening with the breathing exercises, with the qigong and the, the bouncing and that, and being out in nature. Those are all things that he recommends mm-hmm. to get you out of your amygdala, out of your fight or flight, mm-hmm. or out of that the cingulate, which um, can be where we get very um, judgy or self-pity or mm-hmm. stuck in some way, yeah. and into the more cerebral, into the thinking portion of our brain and the pleasure center. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's where we have access now to the creativity.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think most people who want to write a book feel somewhat overwhelmed and intimidated. And there's a lot of self-doubt and and fear. Mm -hmm. And so uh, it makes sense that we would be in the amygdala and we need to bring it forward. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And so, yeah, any kind of deep breathing is great for that. Um, And it, it relaxes the whole central nervous system. It's just a reset.
0: Yeah. Yeah
1: so have you um
0: I keep coming back to the overwhelm the begin- you know mm-hmm. at the beginning, I'm like how awesome it would be to write a book um have you got any stories of people who you've you've helped with you know that beginning place where they're really just don't know where to start. It just feels too overwhelming. I know the vision you mentioned. Yeah,
1: yeah. You yeah, pretty any- much ev- almost, I won't say everybody, but almost everybody I work with. So, you know, hundreds of people feel overwhelmed at the beginning. Really? And yeah, yeah. that's, uh, you know, and I'm working on a book right now, and I feel overwhelmed. I'm in, I'm in the middle. Your own book. But Yeah. yeah but yeah. It, you know, it's, it's natural, because it's a big project. And so any big project, we need to break it down. What do people worry about? What
0: do they think about in the beginning? Like, what do you worry about?
1: Um, well, right. in the beginning, I think the worry is, is anybody going to read this? Do I really have anything to say? Is it really new or fresh in any way? Yeah. Um, a- am I good enough? Am I a good enough writer? Or you know maybe even just I'm not a good writer. I can't write. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe they even got messages about that. So there's like deep stuff mm-hmm. uh, that's getting in the way. Um, also, just you know, I don't know, should I write this book or this book or write it in this way or this way? There's so many choices. Mm-hmm. And so we really want to start with simplifying it with that vision statement. And then who am I writing for? Mm -hmm. who are my people and sometimes I I talked about you know how I sort of my my career discovered me in a way so my people came to me I didn't know my people would be doctors and therapists and coaches and entrepreneurs but you know over time that's who came to me so it wasn't um, you know it it might be just like who comes to me those might be my people or it might be of the people who come to me who are the ones I most enjoy working with yeah and um, Maybe those are my people. Or who are the ones that, like, have the biggest leaps? Maybe those are the people. But but figuring out who who are my people, who's my audience. Yeah. And, you know, there might be this broad audience, but you want to get to that core center of who the main target audience is and write to them.
0: So when you're saying, saying that core, like, can you give me an example? I know you spoke about, for you, the people yeah. in health and medical and psychiatry, psychology, but for an anyone, like how, could you give an example yeah. of what, is it a gender, is it a decade, age range, is it a
1: it really educational background? Yeah. But the biggest thing I would say is for a prescriptive book, a lot of it is what's the problem they're trying to solve, or what's the goal that they're trying to reach. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll give you an example, at, at Harvard at At the Harvard course, I met Dr. Carrie Barron, who's a psychiatrist, mm-hmm. and at the time she was at Columbia University. and uh, she she was pitching a book actually called "I'm Creative, but I Can't Create." And then we started working together, And I said, "You know, I think your audience is bigger than maybe you're you're seeing it. And I would say they're people who are your patients. They're depressed, they're anxious, and they're unhappy. That's a really huge audience, and an audience that's desperate for change. And, um, and like a light bulb went off. She, yeah, that's right. And I said, how about the creativity cure? So it has that creativity piece, but now we're implying you know, it's a cure for these, um, because she was seeing it as really healing people mm-hmm. um, with those mm-hmm. kinds of, of problems you know which is most of society I think yeah <laughs> some, I think some people are so in stifled things. in their potential yeah. so it's so sometimes it's like yes those people might all be creative but they can't create but some of them don't even know that's the problem okay. they, they see the problem as I'm anxious or I'm depressed or I'm just kind of unhappy not quite sure why or don't feel fulfilled. So, you know, that's where it's like the audience might they might be who you think, but they see themselves very differently. Mm -hmm. So, is in that particular case, was it anybody who wanted to be creative, or was well, it it ended up being people who were depressed, anxious, or unhappy, right? So, it wasn't focusing on the creativity; (sighs) it was focusing on creativity as a as as a key. To so that's what they saw. They had. No, I get it now. Yeah. So they had no idea that they needed this. They just knew they were in pain. Right, a lot of them. I mean, some did know. Yeah. And she could have written a book with that other title and would have gotten some readers. But, you know, she got a six-figure book deal with yeah. Simon and Schuster, and I, I think, or was Scribner, I'm sorry, with Scribner, which at the time was part of Simon and Schuster, I think. <laughs> <laughs> they all get bought eventually. Yeah. Um, but anyway, it was with Scribner. Um, so, you know, it... it it matters how you package it you know, that goes back to the marketing and business piece if you're looking for a traditional publisher and, and looking for the largest number of readers but But having said that, you can't just go for the biggest market. so when we wrote that anger book, I thought, well, everybody needs this book because either they're pushing their anger in or they're you know lashing yeah. out, yeah. and um, everybody could use this book, but you know you don't you don't. Anyone in marketing knows you can't just sell to anybody. You have to know who your people are, yeah. and so you know we realized it was women in a certain age range, and so that was kind of more who, who recognized that anger was an issue, whether they were repressing it or lashing out. So men read the book too, but you know it was helpful to define that our core audience was more females and more women buy self-help books. So most most self-help books do better. When they're geared towards, so women. how do you target it then to to women or narrow it down in the writing? What's the you know you um, you don't just exclusively tell stories about women, but you certainly um, focus on on the things that are interesting to women. You know, we 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 ended up um, uh, the subtitle was dynamic tools for healthy relationships, mm-hmm. so. I'm trying to remember if that was the subtitle of it. It we, we went through two iterations, <laughs> but anyway, well, through one of the iterations, that was the subtitle, and um, and so you know we're focusing on relationships, right? That's a Cut book it. that's going to appeal to women, yeah. Um, and you know, so so you don't need to confine all your stories to that target market. In fact, I would say go broad. It's more interesting, but do be aware that you know if. If primarily your readers are women, don't have ninety percent of the stories about men. Yeah, and don't you know? Don't use all football analogies unless these are all women who love football. Right. So know who you're speaking to, and and you know, not in a uh, a shallow sense. It's often really helpful to imagine a, a reader. And so it might be somebody you know. Like it could be imagining your sister-in-law or imagining yeah. your son. So it's like you have an avatar for your yeah. reader. And yeah. write to that person. And the writing will naturally be conversational. It'll naturally be in their language. So it's a really helpful yeah. exercise. Wow. Well,
0: we're almost out of time. I mean, this goes so fast. What? Um, uh, I had something I wanted to say there and I skipped out of my, my head. Um, I guess just if, for people to reach you, mm-hmm. um, learn more. Oh, I know what I was going to say, it came to me. I know if I just stayed still for a moment. <laughs> I had no idea what a book coach did or how much. And so this mm-hmm. is really interesting to me to see, the, because in my head it was much more about the technical. Uh, Stuff rather Mm -hmm. than all of this coaching and support and really helping you know yourself as a person and all these Mm -hmm. coaching steps like truly coaching steps. So it's far more layered and supportive, and I could see it being a safer place to get started than trying Uh to go up on your own and and write a book. And so um, I really appreciate the the um, bit of nuances that I've
1: learned today from you. Oh, thank you. Yeah, there's a richness to it because there is all that coaching stuff. And then there is the technical, what makes good writing and and editing, right? Yeah, you
0: need that. And some of it you can look up. But the other part is really it's more relationship, like me learning to get to know you. You know me, you know, you know, you can read between the lines and you're, Mm -hmm. you're just helping and then keeping me out of the fear zone (laughs) and in the positive so noticing when I'm stuck and reminding me Mm -hmm. it's really what I do with people you know in general coaching people but you have really you know applied it in this way which is beautiful and it's Mm -hmm. it's so organic and correct and I'm sure it happened because of who you just are so. Thank you. So thank you. Again, it's lisatenor.com. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, reach out, and I'm sure you're happy to get questions and Absolutely. Yeah. yeah,
1: I have a blog, and I always answer there. Yeah. And then there's lots of free stuff. Uh, in addition to articles, there are free um Free ebooks on editors and book proposals, and a and a little mini course on getting started on your book. So lots of good stuff there.
0: Yeah, awesome. Well, thanks for coming on, Totally Well. I really appreciate it. Thank you, my pleasure.
1: Yeah.